0: Hello and welcome to Superfancast. My name is Chris, I'm joined by Matt, and this is season two, episode three, Primus.
1: Yes, I'm so excited. Although the only long documentary I found on primus was actually a very long video about fly fishing with les claypool so i hope the questions are all about that
0: you sent me that i didn't i didn't look at it but i but it's funny because i came across it yesterday as well just looking at les claypool and on youtube that's one of the things that comes up pretty early
1: yeah there's uh there's a funny little skit at the start where these kids are like oh mummy, daddy doesn't want to spend any time with us and then she's like oh he just loves to fish and he's just like in his little boat
0: and is it serious? Is it seriously about fly fishing or is it a bit tongue-in-cheek?
1: Yeah, serious. He's he's a massive fan of fishing. Yeah, I'm sure he loves his kids. He seems like a, a good dad, you know. <laughs> I don't not, think that's serious.
0: It's not one or the other. <laughs> you either like fish or you like your kids.
1: I think he likes his kids more than he likes fishing.
0: Could have we clarified that. We could not yeah. have picked a more different band than Kings of Convenience for this episode, could we?
1: No, not really. No, there's there's nothing remotely similar. So good for you if you are listening to this after listening to the last episode.
0: Yeah, or if you if you hated episode two, then you're gonna love this one.
1: Yeah, you're in the right place.
0: <laughs> and this is Matt's pick. But if you have a band or artist that you want to recommend, then get in touch with us. You can do that on on Twitter, Facebook. Or you can go to our website, superfannews.net, and fill out the contact form there to get in touch with us.
1: Yeah, it's a nice website.
0: Yeah, it's nice. And actually, it was it was live when... I realised this after we released the Kings of Convenience episode, but it was live already when Kings of Convenience came out. But when we recorded it, because we recorded it quite early, uh, it wasn't, and I didn't know when it was going to go live. So I didn't mention it in that episode, but here's the here's the chance to mention it. So, yes, we've got this new... Website Superfan News and Reviews, which you can reach at superfannews.net or .co.uk uh, or .org if you if you if you so choose. Lots um, of choices. Yeah, lots of choices. Uh, and it's a music media platform where the reviews are all submitted by users. So if you're bored of reading biased or questionable reviews from rolling stone basically if you can't find a negative review of adele's last album (laughs) because i'm telling you they're not out they're not there they're just not
1: this is this is the reason that you set up the website isn't it chris because because nobody hates adele as much as you
0: i just found it really suspicious that when that album came out and there's a lot to dislike about it i'm not like okay there's a lot to like about adele there's a lot to like about her but after such a massive hiatus and she comes back with, "Oh, what's she gonna do next? Oh, god, this new album that's coming out. Oh, yeah, it sounds exactly the same as you were doing six years ago." And no one said that. Every every paper said, "Oh, what an amazing piece, you know, masterpiece." And wow, so no one said that, Matt. No one said that. But Superfannews.net it allows you to submit your own music reviews. They will get published to the front page. It's formatted in in the style of a uh, a. Music media platforms are the same as your Rolling Stones and your stereo gums and pitchforks, uh, except all those reviews, all of them, Matt, 100% of them, are user submitted, so they're all honest, unbiased reviews.
1: So and uh, yeah. and do they have to be reviews of Adele music, or can they be of anything?
0: No, we'll take anything. We'll take anything, and they don't, they don't have to be good reviews. They don't have to. Be, you know, they can be good. They can be bad. They can be indifferent. That's yeah. Right cool so yeah i want i want if you're a if you're a listener of Cast, head over to the website check it out if it's something that interests you and if you do have an opinion on something and you do want to post your own reviews then sign up it takes well you've signed up matt how long did it take you to sign up
1: like two clicks that's that
0: seems long i'd say it's 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 a one click job
1: oh, okay yeah i've got a slow computer then
0: <laughs> slow computer <laughs> don't want to hijack the entire episode with that so music what have you been listening to lately
1: well, besides Primus, <laughs> probably one of my favourite bands of all time. Uh, I haven't been listening to very much, actually, uh, but I did finally listen to Jeff Wayne's War of the Worlds album. It's been on my list of to listen to for years, and I just haven't got around to it, and I finally downloaded it and just just, just binged on it, and, and, yeah, it's I love it. I love it very much. It's um Oh, by the way, before we start, anything else we're going to say that this is a no fun zone so <laughs> the word fun is not allowed <laughs> as we we discovered or we realized uh last time we use the word fun a lot or especially i do yeah. anyway so we need to try and use our mental thesauruses and think of other words
0: yeah i'm going to try and stay away from fun
1: so if we say fun by accident then please uh, call us out on that
0: You'll be too late to call us you'll be too late we're recording this two weeks ahead of time
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> don't call us uh yeah so uh it's it's very inventive and the the sounds on it are what i love about it is that the sounds sound like they're from another planet you okay. know,
0: stylistically what are we talking
1: i'd say it's probably prog rock but it's it's yeah i'd say it's probably prog rock um and it feels like a concept album because it's essentially a uh, a reading of War of the Worlds with this music behind it. So they'll talk about the tripods walking around and shooting people, and then there's this music to accompany it with these epic synths and guitar solos. Yeah, it's really it's really evocative. It does. But also good. quite cheesy at the same time, and yeah, the the instruments all sound like they are they've come from Mars. You know, like aliens have come down and started playing their music.
0: They came down on the same ship as Henge.
1: <laughs> yeah, but these this album's really cool. It's it's a classic, and I'd love to see it live because they have actual actual aliens walking around on the stage and uh, <laughs> a full a full orchestra and and lots of special effects. and And I think the the latest one has got Liam Neeson doing the narration.
0: Oh, so you hear the narrate? It is being narrated. The whole yeah it's
1: being there's like a narration at the start of each song and scattered throughout the songs it's it's quite a quite a posh kind of a bit like what you know you know Orson Welles did his radio first back in the day and everyone was like oh my goodness this is we're being invaded you know so it feels a bit like a, a news reporter talking but he's talking about his friends he's talking about his his family and and death and destruction happening around him and um, yeah, but in the new one, I think Liam Neeson, he's on a big screen and he's got a dapper suit on and he's like, oh, yeah, this is, this is what's happening. Oh, no, we're getting killed. Oh, my goodness.
0: <laughs> that was a flawless Liam Neeson impression.
1: It was more like Sean Connery, wasn't it? I don't, I don't know what, what happened there, anyway. What have you been listening to?
0: I've mostly been listening to... I've been listening to a lot of good stuff lately, actually. It's been a good few weeks. I've mostly been shouting and raving about the band called Fuel... Mm. Uh, and i think they're still around i'm not 100 percent sure i'd need to double check that but i've I've only been really been listening to one of their albums which was sunburn that came out late 90s so again i haven't written that down either so yeah late 90s they are a post-grunge band um really awesome voice the guy that sings for them uh he's just got a killer voice it it, it sounds very different when he's using it in different ways when he really shouts loud we projects he sounds a lot like josh todd from buck cherry Ah, um, uh, cool but then when he's quiet he kind of i don't like his voice so much when he's quiet but when he's really screaming he's uh, he sounds a lot like buck cherry and and it adds a bit of a punky feel to it um i really like that but the mm. whole album is so good sunburn by fuel there's so many tracks on there that i don't know if they i don't i mean I certainly don't remember them maybe they were big in the us but i definitely hadn't heard of them here but there's tracks on there that if they were, I don't know, someone else, they would have been hits here. There's some really, there's some great tunes on there, great hooks, real good compositions. And he's got a real character to his voice. Yeah, I, I strongly recommend that album, big times. Hmm.
1: Yeah, it's a cool name for a band, isn't it?
0: Fuel, yeah. But I think the only problem with that name is uh, I, I kind of found, I used to love Free. Um, I still love Free. You know, Paul, Paul Rogers is one of the best blues singers of all time. but. Mm. Uh, the problem with free is they came out before the internet and now if you look for free on the internet <laughs> you're screwed and free music free music exactly free band like it's it's, it's a hard to find free on the internet and fuel is the same kind of thing it's just such a common word that you need to think about that stuff you know we i did a review a few months ago for this uh sort of ambient electronic artist called cult and he spelt his name c x l t dot yeah well yeah. that's stupid, but <laughs> it's it's <laughs> got a purpose because if you search for c x l t cult on the internet or c x l t dot you find him mm, mm because it's super unique,
1: yeah, maybe that's the idea behind it
0: i think it is a funny f- i got a funny story about buck cherry, oh yeah, he is back in the day i i reckon this was probably like 2009 maybe 2008 2009 I was like early 20s and I had been listening to Buck Cherry a lot and I was really into the fact that it was just kind of like dirty whiskey drinking coke sniffing rock that I mm. feel you didn't get a lot of in the mid noughties anymore rock had become a bit more clean cut mm. and I was really feeling the buckcherry vibes and mm. then I found out that Josh Todd had been clean for like forever <laughs> and uh-huh. and even though he's singing about whiskey in the morning he's not having whiskey in the morning and i got really irate about it and to the point where i wrote an article that i then published on facebook back in the day <laughs> about my my anger towards josh todd because he duped me
1: wow maybe he doesn't know what whiskey tastes like he's never had it in his whole life <laughs> no he's only had i think he had. you know
0: in his younger years he had a problem and so he's he, he went clean um, but you know, a lot of Buckcherry's vibe is about that, you know, whiskey drinking, coke sniffing rock. That's that's their that's their vibe. So Gosh. it does feel a little bit disingenuous. I don't know. I, I'm not saying that I think people should abuse substances, <laughs> but but it does feel a bit like when you're listening to something. It's it's kind of like when you listen to like that. That's the issue that I have with that bling rap that you get in the US that you don't get here in the UK where. There's young upstarts, all they sing about is their Lamborghinis and how much cash they've got, but really they borrow the Lamborghinis for the music videos. And I feel, Mm. how can I really get into this vibe if it's not real, like you're just making it up?
1: Yeah, I guess it's like if you saw Johnny Rotten at a Queen's Jubilee party. It's 100% like that. It's
0: 100% like that. Like, as if as if loads of Sex Pistols fans just wouldn't listen to them anymore.
1: No, exactly. But also, as, as a side note, uh, the Sex Pistols were a completely manufactured band. So down with the establishment, it wasn't really their thing in reality.
0: Oh, that's disappointing, that is. Hmm. Dear me. All right, well. Sorry to has... burst your bubble <laughs> there. <laughs> that has destroyed my day. That's nah, it's fine. Um, okay. All right, I've got my coffee. Let's, um, let's do some Primus. Sweet. Primus are an alternative rock band that formed in El Sobrante, California in 1984. They were originally composed of Les Claypool on bass and vocals and Todd Huff on guitar. After five years and several lineup changes, Primus self-released their debut Suck On This in 1989. They were soon picked up by Caroline Records through whom they released a studio album in 1990 and then moved to Interscope for their 91 follow-up Sailing the Seas of Cheese, which was their first notable commercial success. That success continued for a further two studio albums before the lineup changed again with the departure of drummer Tim Alexander. Between 97 and 99, an EP and two more studio albums were released with replacement drummer Brian Mantia. However, things have become strained in the band, and in the year 2000, they decided to take a break. In 2003, Primus reformed as Liz Claypool, Larry Lalonde, and Tim Alexander. They have since put out three further studio albums and various other releases. The band are characterised by their eccentricities and their prominent bass parts, also known for their unique live performances and extensive improvisation. And that's it. That's, that's Primus in a nutshell, I think.
1: Yeah, it's, it's quite hard to put them in a nutshell, isn't it, though?
2: Mm.
0: They they are definitely a square peg for a round hole, aren't they? They they don't really fit into uh, much. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> much description. I didn't really know much about Primus, so I'll go first. It should be a quick one from me. Mm. I've never really... Li- well, I've definitely never listened to a Primus album, I don't think, unless a friend has put it on in the background at some point. But I've heard the odd song here and there over the years, and in all honesty I'd never really aligned with it I'm not a big fan of um, not a big fan of jokey music sort of comical music I, d- I think I take music a bit too a bit more I, I like a bit more of a serious edge to music it sounds, I know it sounds it makes me sound like a dick but yeah, do you know what does. I mean Like, uh, I've just, I've just, it's, it's never really clicked with me kind of tongue-in-cheek music and, and I've always felt that Primus were that and so even if and obviously, we'll talk about it. Even if there's there's a great musicianship there, that kind of goes over my head a little bit because I'm not engaging with it. I'm just thinking, oh, this is just this is just jokey. And so that's kind of how I felt about Primus. It might be different now after this episode. So we'll, we'll talk about that. But that's that's where I was. And and so yeah, that, that's that's me.
1: Wow. And so is that where you are still?
0: Oh, I was saving that. <laughs> where I am still is. Uh, I there's a lot of songs by them I like now. I think that there's few albums by them that I could really listen to cover to cover and and, they, and and we'll talk about it more we'll talk about it in in the body of the episode because there are some exceptions to that in if they you know, we'll talk about that but yeah there's a lot of songs by them I like I definitely appreciate their musicianship I think Les Claypool is a, is a genius I think their style of music is something that perhaps is not is not my favorite um, and so I definitely have to pick and choose the tracks that I listen
1: to. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So you have your favorite songs, but not, you not your favorite albums.
0: Yeah, I struggle. I definitely struggle with the albums. As I say, there are exceptions and I don't want to give away what that is yet, but, um, the vast majority of their albums, I, I'm not likely after this episode to listen to those albums cover to cover again, because as a, as a full album, I find it too much and a bit too, a bit too chaotic.
1: Mm. Okay. Mm. I see. I, have see I, where have you're I hurt from. your feelings. <laughs> yeah, your feelings I don't want I don't want to. I don't want to talk to you anymore.
0: <laughs> Go on. What about you? Tell, tell us about your background.
1: Okay, so I, like everyone else, I knew that they did the South Park theme tune, which is quite cute. But in my mid-teens, I saw the video for Winona's Big Brown Beaver, and I thought, "Oh, this is really cool. This is really fun." And the bass player is playing in a way that's very unique and. Yeah, I'm really impressed by this band. So I looked them up and I, I bought Seas of Cheese and I played it to its absolute... Yeah, if you could wear a CD out, then that's what happened. It had lots of holes in it because it was played so much.
0: And were you playing bass um, back then as well?
1: Yeah, I was playing... Yeah, um, I was trying to play some of Primus at home, just just mucking about. But a lot of their stuff is on fretless bass which i didn't have at the time and six string which i don't have and uh, sometimes he goes up to the, like the 25th 26th fret on the bass which 99 percent of bases don't have anyway right. so i was like i can't really play this stuff <laughs> it's not actually physically possible uh but not only because of the the restraints of the instrument but but the sheer talent that the man has it's ridiculous and I was watching videos of him all the time just in awe of his fingers just you know not only is he playing the most incredible bass but he's also vocalizing over the top which is particularly difficult uh, for bass players to sing and play but when you're playing that fast you know with so much v- uh, virtuosity it's it's just it just blows your brain out i think i just i just couldn't get over it so mm-hmm. He became a hero of of mine, and uh, it's been said so many times online by people. Oh, he's one of the reasons I play bass. Well, I mean, it it kind of is. He's in my top three bass players. And yeah, I love this band so much that I've actually seen them more than once, which is not what I can say about any, any other band. So I saw them twice. I saw them at the Royal Albert Hall in London, which was really cool. They played the Caesar Cheese for the first set. In full and then they played green Norgahyde for the second set and then they kept playing um but i had to go because i was going to miss the last train home oh. so but other people were like oh yeah you're going to come back tomorrow because because there were quite a few fans there who were going to watch multiple dates in a row wow yeah the, the, this these are the fans of primus you know i was i was quite jealous yeah it was weird in the albert hall because We were all seated, but in the middle, there was a little bit of a mosh pit, but you can't really have a mosh pit in the Royal Albert Hall. Mm. Uh, It's not really, it's not really the place for it. Uh, And then years later, I saw them at the Roundhouse in Camden, where there was a lot of, a lot of moshing. And yeah, that was just a, that was just a a general set of all their greatest hits. Lots of jams. Uh, I remember I I actually got a tattoo that morning uh, on my arm and uh, my arm was covered in, cling film and like gooey stuff and i was trying to i was trying to mosh while holding my arm away from everybody i <laughs> just look like a little weird <laughs> little lid um but it was great fun really good i was i was just oh, damn it i said the word i said the f word
0: oh you've dropped a couple of f-bombs mate <laughs> oh, no,
1: I put some money in the f-bomb jar yeah so i've just been in awe of this band and they are one of my go-to bands for when i'm feeling a bit low and need a bit of perking up because they've got so much energy and sometimes you need that hard rock to fresh it out of you lots of bad emotions but their songs aren't about negative things all the time i mean that they, yeah. they 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 sometimes do you know like <laughs> jenny's on smack and she won't be coming back you know that's not very cheerful but um uh, <laughs> you know they do songs about fishing and about their friends and also like Lee Van Cleef from the Western movies. You know, they, they're just, yeah, they, they're silly, nonsensical at times mm. and never take themselves seriously. But they are so good at their instruments and they click together so well. Mm. Yeah, I'm in awe of them, really, in case you didn't realise.
0: <laughs> but, but do you like them? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I, you know, Primus fans are the best. They're the best fans. That I think of all the episodes we've ever done, I think the Primus fans are the the most enthusiastic response to the shout out that we're doing a, an episode on their on their band. Mm. We got so yeah. many emails, and uh, some of the emails were hilarious. Like it just yeah, the the way that they the way that they introduced themselves and just just cool people. I think so. I'm I'm calling it now. I think Primus fans are the are the coolest coolest group well, of fans out there. It's official. Yeah. I can't think of another band that we've done where we've had such a good response, and no yeah
1: no definitely not yeah and that's that's another thing that's part of the reason I chose them for this episode is because they have great fans uh, as I've seen at their concerts yeah. i mean I mean obviously at every concert you see big fans of bands, but they they just seem like so passionate, like a really good community, you know yeah there's a I guess there's a, like a community online of people that trade and talk about Primus posters. Oh, really? They have, so many, they have so many posters like that are really good, that have really good artwork, really surreal, really detailed, really bizarre. And people people buy them like for a lot of money. People share them and talk about them. You know, it's a big thing.
0: Mm. You know, your passion for Primus has has scared me a little bit because obviously our super fan is, is going to be... Very passionate as well, and I've tried to write. I've tried to write five tough questions because oh, I, know, I always try to write tough questions, don't I? But this time, I've really tried to get some obscure ones in there. But we'll we'll see. Maybe they'll be just super easy for him. I don't know.
1: Maybe yeah. I, I wouldn't say that I know masses about them. This has been interesting researching them. Yeah, I mean, I certainly couldn't tell you much about their lyrics, you know, because I'm more. In, I, I like to listen to their music and just get lost in a sea of noise and. Yeah yeah like space out so yeah i mean i know i know random things so we'll, we'll see we'll see
0: all righty keep them under your hat for now let's go okie dokie so matt i will ask five questions to help us discover a bit more about primus i'm going to be asking those five questions to josh from oregon
2: Ooh.
0: he will get one point per correct answer there may be bonus questions. There's not going to be any bonus questions this time. Uh and if he gets oh, 5 well. points <laughs> if he gets 5 points he will be a super fan. Uh which doesn't really mean anything, but it's a it's a great title for him to take away. Yeah.
1: Someone asked me on Reddit, uh is there a prize? Of course there's and, a prize. <laughs> and I said, "Oh, it's it's the it's the glory of being called a super fan." And he was just like, "Oh, seriously?" Well, that's so not the attitude is it <laughs> no it
0: means a lot to be a superfan it means that apt- loads of people throw that term around willy-nilly I don't know what it means but you if you really want to be a super fan, you have to come on to superfancast you have to run the gauntlet and if you come out the other end with five points then you can call yourself a superfan it's, it's very clear mm, it's in legislation
1: yeah. it's in legislation <laughs> pretty sure You've it's in earn legislation it.
0: Have you read all the legislation?
1: No, I haven't actually. I'm pretty sure it's there. I'm sure it's there.
0: All right. Question one, Um, Matt. Okay. You're going to hate this question.
1: (laughs) Why? Is it about lyrics?
0: In 2013, Primus were nominated for a Grammy
1: in which category? Was it... See, I don't care about the Grammys at all. This is why I'd hate this. Shall I give you a Um, point? Okay, hang on. Hang on. I think I might have it. Is it... No, go on. Is it a clue? Yeah, I'll take a clue.
0: The clue I was going to say was, I'd never heard of this category.
1: Is it um, Best Surround Sound Album? Yeah! Yes! Oh, nailed it! Did you? Because you'd read about that. I I saw that they've been nominated for a few awards, and a couple of them were Surround Sound, and I, I like you, i never heard of that mm. award. I thought that was that's a bit weird, like, well, someone's really good at you know, panning instruments left and right. I don't know what I that
0: mean, means, but well, funny you should say that because I also don't know what it means. It's it's very odd Just just some quick headline information. So this was no- nomination in twenty thirteen for best surround sound album for "Sailing the Seas of Cheese," the deluxe edition that was re released in twenty thirteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was basically the same album but remastered and three additional tracks. They lost to Paul McCartney's "Live Kisses." And um, that's about it. That's all the headline information. So yeah, the, the category Best Surround Sound Album. It was introduced in 2005 and it goes to the engineers and producers of the record, not to the band. Oh, that's nice. It changed its name in 2020 to Best Immersive Audio Album. Ooh. So yeah, I don't know much about audio engineering, but I, but yeah, I mean, surround, I always thought Surround Sound, I'm going to sound like such a moron now to all the audio engineers that are, that are listening. But I always thought Surround Sound was based on the speaker system. I didn't think you had to record it in a special way.
1: Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm a moron as well. So <laughs> tell us what we don't know, people out there. Um, but when you know about stereo and mono, right?
0: Yeah,
2: but
1: I think that's, yeah. yeah. I th-
0: but if stuff's recorded in stereo, surely you can put it on a Dolby system.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 agree. I mean, I thought surround sound was about having speakers that surround you, but I guess, I guess, what it means is it's the way that the sound is mixed and. I don't know how it immerses you. (laughs) What
0: what I do know, what I do know is that my grandma, she had speakers all over her living room. And when we were kids, we'd put a VHS, a VHS mat of Mm. Jurassic Park on her TV. Mm. And it sounded like there were dinosaurs all around us. Now, are you telling me that that VHS of Jurassic Park was recorded at the same quality as Primus's 2013 Grammy nominated album?
1: I don't know. Jurassic Park is a awesome movie, though.
0: <laughs> so That wasn't the question.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I'm surprised by that, actually. I didn't... Uh, I have no idea. We need to look this up.
0: Yeah. So there you go. Sailing the Caesar Cheese, it was remastered. uh had three additional tracks and new liner notes. And you know what I thought when I read that? I thought, God, I miss liner notes. Mm, Do yes. You miss them yeah. from, from actually having albums. I recently acquired the first physical cd that i've had in a long long time a friend sent me a signed copy of um, my vitriol's second album mm-hmm. secret sessions which is awesome so thank you uh som for signing it and thank you uh matt for sending it to me not you matt a different matt yeah oh. but it's but the thing i love most about it is the line note, that you know looking through and seeing all the mm. all the people involved and all the thanks given and i yeah. used to love that and we just and don't the, have and that. the artwork and the artwork uh just yeah it's beautiful
1: do you know what's in the liner notes for caesar cheese
0: no do you Oh, of course you do Uh, because you've got it haven't you
1: well i I looked it up because i i've actually thrown um, this is terrible but i've thrown away a lot of my cd cases because i've got all the cds no i've got the cds but i keep them in like a massive cd holder thing yeah so but i looked it up and mike borden from faith no more yeah he is in the liner notes oh wow it's written as he's playing two-skinned, 4 skin drum. <laughs> okay. Uh, I don't know what that means. Um, he's, he's playing a drum made out of a four-skin or something. I think he does, like, backing vocals at some point. I think I heard that somewhere. And there's also Adam Gates and Lance Link, and they are named Additional Fishermen.
0: Interesting. <laughs> um,
1: Mark Core is Cheese Coordinator. I think maybe that's to do with the the, the, the cover art, because it's got... Not literal cheese on it, but it's it looks like cheese. So oh no, he's... the
0: cover art was done by Lance Link.
1: Ah, mm. oh yeah, no, it was. But I mean, I wonder if maybe, Lance maybe the cheese didn't do the... was
0: procured by. <laughs> Boy, yeah, maybe
1: yeah. the che- maybe Mark Kohl made cheese and then Lance Link made a sculpture out of the cheese. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's interesting that they they put these things in the liner notes.
0: Sailing the Caesar Cheese was their second studio album. Mm. It was originally released in ninety one on interscope amazingly so they were s- amazingly oh well i think so a little bit because they they were signed in 1990 off the back of their first album which was oh their first album and and another so okay oh, God, i need to get i need to get sentences out don't i instead of just <laughs> loads of half you're sentences
1: s- you're getting so angry and passionate that you i'm just getting can't so speak. ahead of
0: myself yeah so i feel that early on in their career they seem to have been given a lot of I don't want to say chances because that makes it sound as if they didn't deserve it, and they, they did deserve it. But they're incredibly lucky, you know. There's a lot of bands that work for so long to get the the breaks that, that Primus got, and I feel that those first few years, oh, well, was it few years or was it longer than it seems because they didn't release a lot for the first sort of five years of getting together. But yeah, so they re- they self released this this live album. Which production-wise was was obviously not fantastic, and you know, it was a little bit it was a little bit of a mess. Suck on this, would you? Would you say it's fair?
1: I think the sound isn't great, mm. but the the energy and the the songwriting I think is really cool. That's true. And, yes, and you know you can you can hear just how good they are live. You know that's the that's the thing. It's it's a live album, so people are like, wow, this is if this is what they like live, like this is this is awesome. This is I guess I need to check these guys out.
0: I guess. And then they ended up on tour with Jane's Addiction, which Mm. is pretty impressive. Yeah. Because I think they got on tour with Jane's Addiction after Just Suck on This. Yeah. They released Frizzle Fry on Caroline Records, which we can talk about in a sec. And and then they got a, a deal with Interscope. But I believe that at that time... Okay, so Interscope went on to be a, a pretty galactic label, but I think they were pretty early on in their, in their journey at that time into So I don't think they had the same, mm, uh, same yeah. name that they have nowadays, um, which could have been it. Um, but then they had quite a long, quite a long uh, relationship with, with Indoscope, but yeah they, yeah, they did very well. I think those, those early years.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I had no idea that they formed in 84 and uh, they didn't even have a drummer when they died. They just had a, uh, a drum machine. A drum machine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Love it. well, It's a good way to save money, I guess. Yeah.
0: So So uh, Caroline Records. Do you know much about Caroline Records? Not at all. No. So they were. They first came about in the UK in the mid '70s or late '70s uh, by Richard Branson. Um, it was a. It was a either a subsidiary or a, a a different part of Virgin Records. And then they they packed up and then they reformed again in the mid '80s in the US as a subsidiary of Virgin. And so mm. yeah, originally. Primus was signed to Caroline Records. The first couple of albums were. Um, Suck on this was re-released through Caroline Records. Frizzle Fry was released through Caroline Records. Mm, um, before right. they went onto Interscope.
1: Yeah. The um the sound quality is definitely it definitely improves over time though doesn't it in their in their career.
0: Oh, definitely, massively. Yeah, massively. How do you feel about Caesar Cheese?
1: It's one of my all-time favorite albums. I love it so much. It's. I think every song is memorable and radio worthy <laughs> i mm. think but it's still super zany and ridiculous amount of talent going on and so much character as well you know like yeah you know, I, I love i love like tommy the cat with with tom waits doing his weird monologue he, he just it's, it's just it's just a bonkers album i love it so much yeah
0: going through the discography this was the first album that i could really get my teeth into mm. it's not mm. it's not my favorite um but it's much more comfortable to me than frizzle, fry and suck on this. I, I struggle. Mm. And when I, when I cause that's how I normally approach an episode. I'll start at the beginning of the career and just listen through. Yeah. And to hit those two albums first, I w- was a bit worried that <laughs> it was all going to sound like that. But then Caesar cheese, it definitely takes a, a, a sharp turn. Um, yeah. The production is, sure. is, is much better. And there's a few really cool tracks on there. A few tracks that I love. Tommy the cat. I didn't, you know, before I knew that it was considered a classic for them, it stood out to me i thought it was super funky mad composition mad is probably yeah. a word that i'm going to use a lot in this episode mad composition. Mad. yeah mad <laughs> yeah um, yeah and and los bastardos
1: yeah from... yeah you know that's got samples from um the young ones i know yeah, that bbc uh sitcom yeah vivian shouting shut up you bastards
0: i had no idea that anyone in the u.s had heard of the young ones that's amazing that they sampled the young ones for that yeah. <laughs> I was obsessed with the young ones when I was like mid teens.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. So what is your favourite Primus album?
0: Oh, we'll come to it. Question two. <laughs> the edge of
1: my seat, dude.
0: <laughs> what famous metal guitarist sat behind Les in ninth grade algebra?
1: This was Kirk Hammett.
0: It was Kirk Hammett. Is that really oh, easy? Is that gonna be that two? is
1: I'm sorry, that is really easy. Oh. <laughs> yeah, this is this is pretty famous Uh, i knew that they went to school together so i just assumed it was it was him unless there was other metal guitarists well funny you should say
0: that but it does seem that les has just been around famous musicians his whole life like this Mm. yeah it seems even from the early days to to be involved with other amazing artists but yeah this was this was kirk hammett in an interview for kerrang last year he said when i was in ninth grade i had an algebra class. There was a guy sat behind me, a Filipino guy who always wore Coke bottle glasses and a white t-shirt. And he would show me pictures of what he hoped would be his guitar, which was a Fender Mm. Telecaster. He was always talking about how he was going to have this band and that he wanted to sing for them. And that was Kirk.
1: Wow. That's cool. Yeah. Fun. In fact, I think I told you this, Uh, Les auditioned for Metallica. Yeah. Yeah. When Cliff Burton died, uh, Hammer encouraged Claypool to audition and yeah he was i think he was he, he impressed them but he wasn't really he didn't really suit the image and then he, yeah. he also asked the band if uh they wanted to jam on some isley brothers tunes <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they weren't very impressed by that
0: yeah I, I read that he had said he had no idea how big they were <laughs> so yeah he, he turned he up wearing even sandals and a, and a hawaiian shirt <laughs> yeah and James Hetfield said in an interview not that long ago, he said, when he was asked about Les Claypool auditioning, he said that he told Les, you're far too talented for this band. And Les said that never happened. <laughs> he said, I, yeah. think, I think I weirded them out. <laughs>
1: yeah, I think so. I think so. Uh, but there is a cool video on YouTube of Les playing Master of Puppets. On his bass,
0: mm, I've seen that. Yeah,
1: he's doing a slap version, and it's super cool, super funky. It is
0: super cool. I was, I wanted more of it though, because it, it ends quite quickly.
1: Yeah, I wonder. Maybe they should do a Metallica covers album.
0: It's not impossible. Their their relationship so, is so so intertwined, isn't it?
1: It could be like this is an album from a alternate dimension where Les Claypool actually joined Metallica. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be cool. I would so listen to that so
0: other other metallica connections not that this is a metallica episode but i really like the rhinoplasty ep and uh-huh. when i first listened to it it might not come as a surprise to you i'm not a big metallica fan at all and mm. when i heard the thing that should not be i was working at the time and i whipped out my phone and made a note to say this sounds so much like metallica <laughs> but i didn't <laughs> i didn't enough. know it was a metallica song <laughs>
1: Oh, boy. Yeah, um, another Metallica link um, on Antipop. James Hetfield played rhythm guitar on yeah. Eclectic Electric. It's it's not great. It's it's probably my least favourite album by them, though, Antipop.
0: Oh, did you know? Here's a good one. Did you know that Kirk also appears in the video for John the Fisherman?
1: Yes, I did know that. Yeah, oh, yeah, I that, did. That should um, have been my question. Yeah, what what famous metal guitarist that Les Claypool went to school with? <laughs> is is on the is on the ship in yeah, uh, right. John the Fisher? You're right. It'd be rubbish. Yeah, I, I I heard that, and I then I watched the video, and I was like, I need to try and find it but I could I couldn't see anybody. I looked. think
0: no, I, I think can. I can find him. I think in the in the early scenes, um, where there's a bunch of guys standing at the back of the boat looking at the sea, mm. and Les is standing in the middle of them singing at the camera. Mm. I think to the right hand side of Les, the guy with a cap on, I think that's Kirk Hammett but he's not got long hair.
1: Yeah, he needs to have his long hair and his guitar out and then I might know who he is.
0: Yeah, I think he was pretty, he must have been pretty young. And also the quality of the video is not fantastic, so... No. Yeah, it's it's not super clear, but yeah.
1: No. But this is the thing, I love this. uh, This is one of the things I love about this band, is that they can just make songs about absolutely anything. And people go nuts, you know. I I heard them play this at the Roundhouse. It's a song about fishing, it's just ridiculous. And And everyone's just moshing about and shouting along.
0: Yeah. Have you seen a, a picture of Kirk Hammett at school?
1: Yeah, he looks like a real nerd, doesn't he? He does.
0: Yeah. Which is what, which is what Les said. Have you seen a picture of Les at school? No. My How's God. He look like? What a fox! Let me send you a picture now. He's not what you expect. I'm sorry, but this is, I've just sent you the picture. It's this is like a modelling shoot.
1: He's like Tom Cruise. He does.
0: He does look pretty good, doesn't he? <laughs> he, he.
1: Yeah. He. He looks. He reminds you a bit of um, what's his name from Nine Inch Nails.
0: Trent Reznor? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm I getting guess.
1: Trent Reznor vibes off him. But yeah, he's certainly a, certainly a dish.
0: Yeah, I can see why he thought Kirk Hammett was a geek.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've got no disrespect to Kirk Hammett, because I, I quite like Metallica. And, um, you know, it's cool that geeks, can, can, geeks can, you know, rock. can rock as well, you know. Yeah, geeks can rock. But Yeah, I, I also love his... I don't want to make this whole episode about Liz, because it's not all about him even though if you go on allmusic.com it says primus is all about les claypool Mm. that's like the first sentence of their biography of primus and i'm like "Eh, i don't know about that Mm." but yeah he's you know he wears all these like steampunky outfits he's got top hats and funny caps and weird goggles and you know the way he struts around the stage playing it's 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 so magic i think you know and then he and then he wears his um, funny masks you know he's got an owl mask he's got a pig mask that he wears with mr crinkle i've seen him wear that anyway um he's yeah he's he's a real fashion i think he should be a fashion icon you know like best dressed musician. oh he's definitely
0: got style hasn't he mm-hmm. yeah for sure yeah it's funny that you know a lot of people talk about primus basically being les but um you know i know drama wise they've been through a lot of different dramas but um larry's been around since well, I know they had Todd at the beginning, but Larry's been around for every release. Like, yeah. You know. So, yeah, I think I think maybe he gets uh, sidelined a little bit.
1: Yeah, and the drummers are, are all fantastic as well. All the ones that I've heard. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how good the, the drum machine was. <laughs> but it's yeah. like, I um, was his name? Brain. His yeah. nickname Brain. I didn't just yeah. misname mis- him. Brian mantia uh when he left primus he was the drummer for guns and roses and he played on almost all the tracks on chinese democracy
0: yeah i didn't know that i missed that hmm.
1: yeah so i just yeah the drummers are all fantastic as well i mean the the, the, the fills and solos and and the, the way they lock in with with Les. yeah you know they the way they jam is yeah i'm gonna start saying magic a lot and now i need to to put a ban on magic
0: oh god we're gonna have no words left we're just gonna be looking yeah, at
1: Looking, <laughs> doing uh, interpretive dance. Yeah, podcast. it's not very good podcast material, is it? <laughs> yeah.
0: All right. Yeah. Question three. us Let, move on to question three. Okay. This is a good one. Who created the cover art for
1: Anti-Pop? Oh, Anti-Pop. Oh, days. Uh, uh, I got you, didn't I? I got you. Damn it! Damn it! It wasn't. It wasn't Lance Link Montoya.
0: It wasn't. See, it this, wasn't. this is the one that's going to get that's... the super fan, isn't it?
1: I, I have not got a clue. And I just assumed that it, you wouldn't ask about that because I don't know who was it.
0: Is it, I don't think this is the... I mean, there's certainly the the two most recent albums. I haven't looked at who co- designed those. But other than the two most recent albums, I think this is the only one that wasn't done by Lance. So it was Craig Howell. Craig Howell. Yeah, so we'll talk about Lance a little bit. I mean, a large portion of the covers were done by, by Lance Montoya. He's a sculptor. He did... Most of their albums that feature clay sculptures. So suck on mm. this, Frizzle Fry, Caesar Cheese, Pork Soda, Tales from the Punch Bowl. Um oh maybe that's it. After Tales from the Punch Bowl. But that's still um, anim- the
1: Animals animals should not try to act like people. Okay. That's an actual name of an album, I'm not just saying that as a as a statement. Yeah, he did he did the cover up for that. It's like these boxes with massive Oh yes. Teeth. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. on
0: the on the boxes one actually, one of the one of the belts says link.
1: Ah there you go. So
0: there you go, little, little factoid for you there. He got the gig because he had worked with Les at a pro audio company when they were teenagers. Oh, cool. And so then when they needed a cover for Suck on This, Les thought that, that Lance, who was apparently quite well known for his art style and not in positive ways either, I think some teachers had called his parents into school. Mm. Because as a as an early teen, he'd done a picture of, in art class, he'd done a picture of a man wielding a chainsaw and and uh, his, yeah. his artwork was quite dark and Um, so he'd gained a a name for himself and his family wanted to send him away lance i'm 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 riffing here this isn't written down but i'm just remembering from an article that i read Mm. his family had wanted to send him away for help because they thought that he was struggling mentally and it was his older brother lance's older brother that persuaded them that actually no he's just creative
1: (laughs) (laughs) blimey yeah that's interesting one yeah i do like his sculptures actually yeah. But do you know who did the cover sculpture for Rhinoplasty?
0: Uh, no. Someone different.
1: It was Les Claypool. Oh, really? Apparently, yeah. Oh, wow. I think he also did the cartoons in the Winona's Big Brown Beaver video. Oh, cool. Yeah. It doesn't
0: surprise so, me. He's, it seems like he, he likes to turn his hand to that kind of stuff.
1: Creative guy, yeah.
0: There's a band from Illinois called The Dits that have a song called Lance Link Montoya. Ah, yeah, and the, the Dits seem like quite an interesting band, so we'll talk about them another time. Remind me, in the next episode, we'll talk about the Dits. Okay. But this question was not about Lance Montoya, it was about Craig Howell. Yes, so, so yeah. what
1: do you know about Craig? So Just just Craig,
0: that. <laughs> no, Craig is a, a, quite a big name, I think. And the, the cover for Antipop, so to describe it to the listener who hasn't seen it, and I don't have it in front of me, but it's a, it's got a central focus of a guy's face pained screaming face and then mm. there's all sorts of stuff coming out the top of his head isn't there
1: yeah yeah well aren't there references to other primus albums oh are they i missed I'm that gonna, i'm gonna have a look actually no no yeah if you look on the cover art there's the rhinoplasty dude there's the frizzle fry head oh, wow the pork soda pig lots of characters from the other covers
0: oh that's brilliant videos
1: i love that yeah and that's referenced in the video for the single in antipot which was like a head yeah, in, Lack head, in the Lackahead video, there's uh, there's this boy watching TV and Satan, I guess, or some devil. He sticks a weird contraption on the boy's head, which looks a lot like the, the one in the front of Antipop. And the the kid starts watching Primus videos.
0: Oh, wow. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, this, this style is really characteristic of, of Craig Howell. Mm. Um, I, fa- I found an article showcasing some of his concert posters. Um, Because I think he's very famous for his posters and all his posters are very much in that same style where there's kind of like a a central focus and then collages of other things going on around it. But he's done some amazing, I've seen some amazing posters, amazing artwork for Godsmack, Coldplay, System of a Down, Mars Volta, Fatboy Slim. And you can see loads of his work on his website, which is chibaproductions.com. C-H-E-E-B-A com. And i definitely Go check it out Because it's Really good artwork mm, I'm just
1: uh, Sending a Google And Yeah It's A beautiful Piece of work And I think I've yeah. seen This kind of work Before in In some books Yes he's done uh, book it covers might... Yeah Yeah, yeah. So good, An- good Antipop
0: work. was The sixth Studio album It was the last Studio album To be released On Interscope mm. And it was also The last album For Brian Mantia Or Brain ah. Yeah, so Tim Alexander came back after um, the next few years. Well, I think it was that. I mean, that they, they started their hiatus, didn't they? That so they they broke yeah. up after Anti Pop, really. Yeah, for, for three years.
1: There was a lot of tension in the band. So they didn't. Apparently, they didn't have much fun making Anti Pop.
0: Yeah. Well, les said that, didn't he? That there was. There was lots of tension. Um, they lost their spark. He, he used the phrase, which I really like, is he said the well was dry and we were just sucking mud. Yeah, which...
1: I mean, not to be funny, but they did have Fred Durst as one of the producers.
0: Yeah, there's a, I mean, there's a lot of names on this album. There's a lot of names. <laughs> uh, so what what are your feelings, Pop? Because I know generally in the in the Primus fans camp, a lot of people online find this their worst album. A lot of people don't like it.
1: Mm, I don't really like it very much it doesn't feel very Primus it does feel very metal like new metal I think not just because of Fred Durst but it feels like they are trying to fit into more the contemporary music at the time I don't know what it is maybe it's just the sounds of the guitars and uh the song structures but I just I just couldn't get I couldn't really get into it
0: I think he nailed it yeah it definitely sounds like new metal in a lot of, in a lot of ways it's quite a bit noisier than some of the previous records, and mm. Les's slap bass is sometimes not, it's just not very prominent, it's not, a, it's not a key player in a lot of the songs, whereas the riffs on this are really loud and dirty. Like the guitar on Mama Didn't Raise No Fool, which I think is mm. Tom Morello playing that. Uh, um, yes. It's just, it, that doesn't sound like Primus, that, that song, like the, the music um it, it kind of it lacks a lot of the characteristic elements of primus i feel but yeah. that said i quite like the record i think if you're not a primus fan if you didn't know primus i don't think it's a bad record i just don't mm. think it's very them
1: yeah no i agree I, st- I still listen to it i still enjoy it but it's my least favorite of theirs it's not what i would show to people and say this is primus
0: yeah sure that makes a lot of sense yeah, and I guess if it was recorded with a lot of negative energy around it as well.
1: Um, yeah, you can kind of sense that, can't you?
0: Yeah, he said they weren't getting on as a band, and the label had lost faith in them. Mm, that's
1: sad. Yeah,
0: so I don't, I didn't look at tours, but I guess they didn't tour for this one, if they if they broke up straight after the, the release of it. And then after three years, they hooked back up again with Tim Alexander. Three years isn't that long for a hiatus, is it? But
1: No, it's not really. Um, but you know with Green Norgahyde? They actually used one of their original drummers.
0: Oh yes, but that's but that was a, that was a few years down the line, wasn't it? They went back to Tim Wright. Uh, no, not Tim Wright. Jay Lane. Yes. Jay Ski, as Les calls him. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they went back to Jay Ski, and uh, Les Les said about that. He said that they'd never recorded an album with Jay before because Jay left before they released their debut album. Hmm. and he said he'd forgotten how funky Jay was, and he added this whole new funky element that they, they hadn't really lent on in the past. So hmm. he spoke really highly of Jay's input on the, on that record.
1: Yeah. Well, as I say, I, I saw them when they were promoting Green Naugahyde, and oh, I really. was really, really impressed with the drumming. Oh, cool. It's just really tight, really, really groovy.
0: Do you know what Jay Lane had been doing in the interim?
1: Uh, I don't, actually. Do you? Mm, no, I don't. I might I might Google that quickly. Let's Google that so we pretend that we know what we're doing. Okay, he's
0: he's been doing quite a bit, but not anything that I have necessarily heard of. I mean, he's released a lot of stuff. Oh, and he's done a lot of Les Claypool's other projects. Oh, nice, yes. So he's done nice. some Les Claypool solo stuff. He's done Les Claypool Frog Brigade. He's done Colonel Les Claypool's Fearless Flying Frog Brigade. He's done The Holy Mackerel.
1: Oh, that's cool. Yes, of course. Yeah, in the hiatus, Claypool did a lot of interesting side projects. Mm. Particular favourite is Oysterhead. A particular favourite of mine, anyway. So that's with uh, Trey Anastasio of Fish and Stuart Copeland of the Police. Oh, cool! And it is quite primacy as as all his projects are. But Trey is also doing a lot of lead vocals, and again, it's very jam focused. And yeah, yeah it's it's another great album. Really good.
0: He's just so involved with so many other yeah. great great musicians. Um, yeah, he's, he's clearly with, very well respected.
1: Working with Buckethead, Colonel claypool's bucket of burning brains that's right uh working with john lennon's son um sean so he played with the claypool lennon delirium so yeah sean lennon and keyboard vocalist Hal nogira Nogira from stone giant and paolo Baldi of cake
0: tim alexander just back to drummers yeah, he's kind of got an on-off relationship with, with Primus a little bit, hasn't he? Because he's, you know, he was with them for the first three records and he left. Um, they had to replace him with Brain and then they persuaded him to come back for one record <laughs> and then he left. Yeah. And then they persuaded him to come back and then he came back for the last two records as well. So, yeah. And, and actually, Les had said... I think I got this right. I think he'd said in 2003 when they reformed, Les said he took some persuading to, to reform Primus. He didn't have... He didn't have any interest in in going back to Primus, but then he started jamming with Tim, and he thought, "Oh, this this sounds fun. Let's let's do something then." Um, mm. But I think it was Tim that persuaded him to um, to give it a go again. Yeah. well, that's cool. And there we go. Yeah. All right. Question four. This is a tough one as well. Oh, this is a good one. Oh no. So I hope I've got I hope I've got him on question three. But if not, question four is a tough one. Question four what track by experimental electronic band beats antique features les claypool on bass
1: oh days i literally have not got a clue i don't even know now go on
0: the song's called beelzebub okay so beats antique are well actually i don't know what beats antique are but the song is an electronic funk tune uh the drums on it are super awesome it's got like a kind of a breakbeat influence to it it's got some really cool effects on them i really like the tune there it's a really good tune and les has played it live with them a few times as well i think
1: cool i'm just looking them up now so apparently they are a fusion infusion of middle eastern belly dance music down tempo hip-hop old school jazz afrobeat and electronic music
0: yeah, there's there's definitely some words there I align with after listening to Beelzebub. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I can imagine Les having a good time with them. Yeah.
0: Do I I mean I definitely found another track that he has a good time with that blew me away, and that mm. was uh, More Than the Fairy by Death Grips. If you haven't heard that, that will melt your brain
1: actually. More than more than the fairy. Ah, oh, okay. Death Grips, nice. Give
0: it a listen now. Put put
1: it on for a couple of seconds now. Okay. Yeah, I can definitely hear the the Les influence there, but I mean his his bass is just straight away going. It's so and, crazy, it's so fast, uh, and, and like yeah, and the the art for this song is a banana with some teeth coming out of it.
0: Oh right, I didn't see
2: that.
1: Yeah, lovely. Oh, I'm I'm loving this more than the fairy.
0: Yeah, yeah, I really really enjoyed that song, and I, there's a lot of it as as the tune progresses, and it just gets wilder and wilder. It's it's hard to imagine some of the noises coming out of Les's bass are coming from a bass
1: like it's oh god yeah 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 you you, you get me started talking about his playing like I just don't stop but like mm. you know he can he can make any kind of sound and it's 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 unbelievable how versatile he is you know he's doing his tapping he's doing his chords his strumming he's got his upright basses and he's he's I mean like Mr Crinkle the main riff is on a bowed upright bass you know like how many songs do you know that, that do that yeah and he's got all his effects pedals as well ridiculous you know squelchiness and yeah it's it's incredible
0: so other other cool projects i've got a few that i want to mention Hmm. Uh, when they took their hiatus between 2000 and 2003 larry lalonde and the drummer that that left just before then left primus brian mantia Hmm. they formed no force field no force field oh my god i mean like i really really like these guys They only released two studio albums, and I've only listened to the first one, so I've still got to listen to the second one, but I will listen to it, because that first record is just insane. The the first album's called Lee's Oriental Massage, and it's mostly, I mean, it's electronic production with, uh, you know, they dip their toes in drum and bass, breakbeat, uh, trip-hop, subtle techno, really mad experimental soundscapes, It's, it's really odd. There was a review on Rate Your Music that just said this album sounds like falling down the stairs and I mean that in a good way.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that, that's amazing.
0: It's really, really good. I'd strongly recommend it. Uh, it's not what I was expecting because essentially when, when that album came out that was the Primus lineup without Les. So I was mm. at least expecting it to sound within the same you know, the same world and it's mm. just not, it's, it's not from a same, the same planet as Primus. It's very, very, very cool.
1: Well, that's wicked. Let's yeah. check that out.
0: Did you know that Larry Lalonde, his guitar teacher, was Joe Satriani?
1: Yeah, I read that somewhere. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I... Larry's a Larry's a pretty cool, pretty cool guitarist, actually. Mm. Uh, you know, he 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 seems very versatile as well. But he seems quite comfortable in his role in the band. You know, he's not. Yeah. He's not jumping out in, into the front and saying, "Now look at me." You know, he, he's. You know, there's there's the drums and bass, and he's kind of snaking in between, really comfortably. You know. Yeah you know he's the skateboarder that uh, knocks the cheesy nachos onto the floor in the Jerry the race car driver video? (laughs) Well, I do now. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, carry on.
0: Well, I just wanted to say something about Joe Satriani, really, because Mm. I don't know the details of Satriani being a teacher, but he taught Larry before Larry was in Primus at the Mm. time that he was in a band called... So Larry Long was in a band called Possessed, and then he was in Blind Illusion. And then he joined Primus just as he finished up with Satriani. Mm. But funnily enough, Joe Satriani was also the guitar teacher for Kirk Hammett. Yeah. So yeah. I guess he was just like a local teacher around that part of California. And all the best players went to him. And that's why they're the best players.
1: Yeah, he's he's quite a prolific teacher, Satriani.
0: See, I didn't know that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he, he taught uh, Steve Vai as well. That's pretty oh wow um, but yeah Blind Illusion that's another link Les Claypool actually played with them as well for a while
0: oh really I don't know anything about Blind Illusion
1: I don't know either except they have been around for a very long time and have had lots of members
0: oh right one of those yeah and do you know what Tim Alexander was doing in the, in his breaks between Primus
1: during the hiatus he was he performed with Blue Man Group you know those weird uh, alien people that bang on pipes oh right um <laughs> do you know them?
0: I do now. I I don't yeah, think I know them. I've just clicked on them.
1: You um, not heard of Blue Man Group? Really?
0: I don't think so. I mean, are oh. they are they musically notable or?
1: Oh, well, I I I guess. I mean, they they're more of a live experience, like a show, right. with these freaky blue people who bang on percussion, and everyone loves it. I haven't I haven't actually. I don't actually understand the appeal but there you go he played with blue man group and he's also played with a perfect circle which is pretty cool oh yeah that's cool yeah. great great bands and born naked who i haven't heard of before
0: all right okay so he's done he's done a few few things yeah
1: they all kept busy
0: all impressive musicians
1: oh yeah for sure yeah another thing that Les has been in part of besides his ridiculous number of bands Oysterhead. Flying Frog Brigade, Bucket of Bernie Brains, etc. Uh, he also wrote a novel in 2006. I did not know that. Called South of the Pump House. Basically, of course, it's about a fishing trip because uh, it's Les Claypool. And spoilers, someone gets beaten to death with a boat pole and the characters are trying to get rid of the body. And is it, a, uh, is it
0: a joke or is it is it quite, is it like a drama?
1: I think it's quite, I haven't read it, but it's quite, I think it's quite dark humour. But it's, it involves racism and drugs and people just being nasty with each other. But that's part of the reason that someone, someone gets killed because, uh, people disagree about things and they have a fight and it's all in the context of, of fishing. Very Interesting.
0: strange. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. All right. Question five. In the lyrics to the Trek on the desaturating seven, what is over that hill?
1: Uh, what is over that hill? What you mean, like the specific lyric or generally yeah. what's over that hill?
0: No, no, the lyric's are pretty clear. I think they say over that hill, over that hill, beep is over that hill.
1: Over that hill, the rainbow is over that hill.
0: Oh, it's, 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 that's within theme, isn't it? But no, it's paradise is over that hill.
1: Oh, okay. This is kind of. Rainbow, isn't it
0: do you want to go first on this what are your thoughts about the desaturating seven
1: I quite like it it's different it's relatively short and when I listened to it at first I was like oh is that it you know because it's very different to their other stuff it feels more instrumental and I get I get like hints of King Crimson coming out of it you know it's it feels very prog
0: oh definitely it's a prog album absolutely old
1: school prog you know yeah I, I didn't listen to it in the same way I listened to their other stuff it's doesn't groove as much you know but it's it's certainly very trippy and braver them to do and it's a very cool concept you know i mean the, the whole mm. idea behind it is very primus i think oh definitely you know, these, yeah. the, the goblins that steal rainbows with their last and then drink the colors away
0: it's based on a children's book yeah yeah which is wild because it's quite dark and grimy <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. So, like, what, what children are reading this? Mm-hmm. Um, I did see a, I did see a YouTube video on on YouTube, obviously. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> God, this is quality, isn't it? Le, at the start, Les is reading the story on an armchair, and he's got a pig's face on. He's basically a character called Christopher P. Bacon, and he reads the Rainbow Goblins. You know, he's like, little children, oh boys and girls, let's read this story, and... He-
0: that's not one for your kids, is it?
1: It's totally creepy as hell. Yeah, and then then you start seeing these goblins going over the hill, and this this crazy music that's that is like a DMT trip. Wow. Yeah, it's it's, it's weird. But you know, I guess you could say that um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. When you describe it, it's not very. Kid friendly, is it? It's quite creepy as well, but that's a children's classic.
0: That's probably the reason that Primus did an album based on it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. What do you think of Desaturated Seven?
0: So just for the listener, so Desaturating Seven is their most recent album in 2017. It's a concept album based on, like like you said, Matt, that based on the book, The Rainbow Goblins. And I really like it. I yeah. really like it. Yeah. I think it's um I mean, as you say, stylistically, it's prog rock. I mean, there's no hiding from it, it's mega progressive it sounds mm. like medieval yes I, I would say
1: yes yeah um, it does it or some really of john does.
0: anderson's solo stuff like um elias of sun hillo is an album that's stuck with me over the years and i kind of feel like if you took half the instruments out of elias of sun hillo they're very similar like mm. very similar mm. it's yeah it's a lot like that kind of that that yes sound but just with less instruments like more more stripped back yeah i really like it and and, and also i really like the concept album for primus it's something they should have done more of or, or hopefully yeah. they will do more of because it's something that really works. And I think that maybe if, if they had more concept albums, th- then I think their records would maybe click with me a bit more. Mm. Um, because it, it seems right up Les's street as well to pick some wacky spaced out psychedelic story and make a make a cover to cover record out of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: but yeah, I really like the sound of um, Desaturating 7. It's it's it, it's too short. You're right. It's 34 minutes. And if I was in charge, that would be illegal. That's not, that's not an LP, is it? Thirty-four minutes. What's
1: the, what's the minimum length? Forty-two. Forty-two. Okay. Yeah, I think I think
0: I think that's about right. Early forties. Thirty-four minutes is taking the piss, don't you think?
1: A little bit. Yeah. I'd at least want some kind of. I, want it, I would want it to come with some like a bag of sweets or something. <laughs> with a post, a fold-out poster.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: lots of rainbows.
3: Yeah,
0: but it's really good. It's really good. I haven't listened to in great detail. You know, I've, I've skipped through it a lot just because there was so much to listen to for this episode. I haven't listened to Primus in the Chocolate Factory with the Fungi Ensemble oh, too yeah, much, yeah. so I don't know if that will have the same effect on me. Maybe it will. Maybe it won't.
1: Maybe it's not. It feels more Primus in the style. But like *The 7, obviously, it's it's a concept album in the sense that there's a story and they're going through it. But they are using the the songs from the film *Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory*. Yeah, it's 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 weird, but it's it's very cool as well. Like Tim Alexander, he uses a a drum kit that's made out of like frying pans and strange percussive instruments, like a UFO drum and things like that. So it sounds a bit like a you know when you know in the film when they're on that weird a machine it's like a tractor that sort of steam rolls over yes. them and they become clean it's a bit like that it's like a weird machine vibe madness yeah the fungi ensemble they've matt dylan who plays vibraphone and marimba and tablas so lots of cool uh, percussive plinky plonks and sam bass on cello they also sold exclusive primus chocolate bars at live performances
0: oh really that's cool
1: yeah i do like the saturating seven i hadn't really listened to it much until preparing for this episode but I, yeah I, I do appreciate it
0: i guess it i i don't know what the um what the vibe is from the primus fan community but i can imagine that it probably has a, a reception a reception similar to antipop in the it, it does sound incredibly different to a lot of their other stuff and although i really like it and think it's it's a it's a brilliant record if you're really into Primus, it doesn't necessarily reflect what Primus can do and, and does do. So maybe I don't I as I say, I don't know. Maybe maybe the maybe the fan community loves it.
1: Yeah, but with with antipop, it sounds like they're trying to fit in with more mainstream music, whereas Yeah. DeSaturating Seven, they're clearly not doing that. True, that's very true. They're just they're just like, We wanna do this, we're gonna do it. Screw you, Chris, it's gonna be a thirty odd minute album with lots of jams and weird lyrics about goblins and and their next album it might be out by the time this episode is released it's like a three track ep oh right conspiranoid and their epic 11 minute opening track is conspiranoia which you can see on youtube and other places spotify whatnot it is super proggy super like it's like rush yes all kind of mad jamming it's it's very DeSuttering 7, I think. Okay. But even longer. Yeah, I think you'd like it.
0: Cool. All right. I think that sums up... I think we've done Primus. That's it. We've... Oh, man. We've said everything that needs to be said. No, we haven't. We haven't said everything.
1: There's don't... so much. <laughs> don't There's write so into much the show.
0: <laughs> don't write into the show and say, these guys don't even know Primus. Yeah. We should have just got Primus on the phone. But I... oh, anyway, we're, we're next... After this, we're going to have Josh from Oregon on the call. And... He knows Primus. Yes. We hope. Haven't spoken to him yet, so we're going to use um, the magic of of podcasting to go into the future, speak to Josh, and then come back in 20 minutes' time, and I'll I'll talk to you.
2: Uh,
3: I'm a product of the Catholic school system from K to 8, and uh, I recall vividly sitting on the West Playground of St. Paul's Elementary School <laughs> in, uh, I want to say, the spring of 1994, and my good friend Graham uh, had brought his Walkman to school, and we'd been friends for a long time, but he was getting into rock and metal music, and at that time, I think the only CD I owned was the Aladdin soundtrack. Fantastic soundtrack, <laughs> by the way, Chris. It's it's a wonderful, wonderful soundtrack. I still sing those songs to this day, but...
0: I'll add it to my cue.
3: It's uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's wonderful. But he uh, brought his Walkman, and on that Walkman, he, <laughs> he had painted a bunch of skulls. And also, in the little window, he had inserted a cutout of Iron Maiden's Eddie. And he, he said to me, hey, you want to listen to some music? <laughs> I said, okay. Uh, and on the tapes that he was bringing, he brought Metallica, Megadeth, uh, Anthrax, lots of thrash, actually, and then some Soundgarden Allison Chains and that sort of music. And so I asked him to make me some tapes. And on the first tape that he made for me, among those aforementioned bands uh, and things, uh, bands such as Helmet uh, and Helmet Sticks Out for some reason, but there was a Primus song. And I believe that it was My Name Is Mud. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I recall that, that Primus track uh, sticking out for me because all those other bands, and I really loved them, and I still do uh, appreciate a lot of those bands that he exposed me to, that was my first exposure to rock music, the structure of all that music and everything was calculated um, with all those bands, but Primus sounded, Primus sounded spontaneous and like they were just making it up as they went. And, I, and, that, and the wackiness is what <laughs> really attracted me. And uh, from there, uh, it was just, I was crazy about Primus from from that moment.
0: And so that's ooh, 25 years. Has is it, is it been consistent?
3: It's been almost 30 years, uh, actually, since I was exposed to Primus. And I would say it's been fairly constant as far as listening to the records, attending live shows, and that sort of thing. Although, I will say that this has been a band that has had a lot of ebbs and flows in its career, and in the ebbs, I've gone elsewhere because nothing uh, much has been happening, although I still treasure all the records and releases to this day. But my fandom never wavered. I never gave up or gave up hope when they were inactive. Uh, so it's been fairly constant. And that's and I will say that's part of the reason uh, why, uh, you know, I started the Primus podcast that I do. I needed an outlet to talk about them because my wife got tired of it over the years.
0: Yeah, so tell, tell us about that. Like, what, How long has that been going, and what's some of the, the highlights of the, of the podcast?
3: Absolutely. So the the podcast is called Primus Tracks, and uh, you can get it anywhere you get podcasts. Thanks for letting me plug it. And uh, my pal Frankie and I, we had been trading uh, rare and, and hard-to-find files and live shows for, for quite some time. And then uh, we got to hang out at a specific New Year's Eve show, and we decided... I think I broached the topic. I said, what if we did a podcast where we just talked about every Primus track each episode? And he said, sure. Uh, And that's how it started. We said, we'll just have fun with it. Uh, So we started uh, chronologically with the uh, initial Primus release called Suck On This, which is a live album. And then from there, we went in chronological order of every studio track. And we finally made it into the 2010s recently. So we still have a ways to go, Uh, but we've been doing this for a couple of years. And I would say, notably, Uh, We have had just about every single principal band member on over the course of this podcast. uh, With one, Yeah, with one glaring exception, which would be Tim Alexander, current drummer and longtime drummer, who seems disinterested in talking to us. And I don't blame him at all. But uh, (laughs) but, uh, all the other members uh, that have been in the band throughout its history, all the principal ones at any rate, because I don't know how much you know your primus, they've had about 36 drummers. Uh, most of them before the band hit it big, <laughs> but three principal drummers since they uh, hit the scene in a in a meaningful way. But they've all been on the program and they've all been wonderful. They're all great guys. Uh, and this wasn't by any of my hard work. We had the fortune of befriending uh, Tim Sawyer, who worked for the band in various capacities over the years. And he would reach out to them. And I guess with his level of street cred, which is sky high. Uh, they decided to talk to us and so it was really great just to have these extended conversations between fan and artist um, as well as just frankie and i talking about primus tracks as we go so That's it's been a very rewarding yeah thank you
0: all right well i mean you've uh, you, you've set a pretty high bar i think and i've got five questions here for you
3: Okay. Um, well, no, I'll tell you, no,
0: I've got no um, no doubt that you're gonna smash it. I think.
3: <laughs> well, let me tell you, I only have one Primus tattoo. I don't know if I'm the super no, super counts. fan that you craved. Um, if we were on camera, I'd show it to you. It's not in a not safe for workplace <laughs> on my body. That is, but uh, I will say uh, there are people. I've only I'm gonna tell say something to you, and it might shock you. I've only seen Primus and Les Claypool about twenty two times.
0: Well, that's that's 22 more than me, so I wouldn't worry. Okay.
3: (laughs) And I say only because I know of people who have seen them hundreds of times and follow them on tour whenever they can. And there are fans who have collected audience recordings over the years. And there's an entire website devoted to audience recordings of Primus live shows that has easily, must have a thousand shows by now. Um, So I'm not that big of a collector, (laughs) and I haven't put too much of them on my body which is strange to say but i i hope i do qualify as a super fan uh, by the merits of your quiz
0: well i mean yeah i mean the only way you can go um throwing around the term super fan is if you get five points out of this um, okay fr- from this day on if you get five points then you can <laughs> you can call yourself a super fan do whoever you need okay. um, and that, that's how you gain the label
3: Okay. Is there a quasi-fan? Quasi because if I get four out of five, I can be a quasi-fan and tell Absolutely. people that,
0: right? Absolutely. The, the only okay. way you're going to be a fraud is if you get zero out of five. And we've never had a fraud.
3: <laughs> oh, good. You're you're very selective. I yeah. appreciate that.
0: Um, so I've got five questions. One of them is a dud. Okay, I've, I've already been I've already been told off by Matt that this, the question two is far too easy. So anyway, huh. okay. let's see. So, question one. In 2013... Primus were nominated for a Grammy in which category?
3: 2013. Uh, oh. geez, that that Wonka record came out in 2014. You're asking me to. You're asking me about the Grammys, which is something I know nothing about. I uh, I generally listen to music that has nothing to do with the Grammys. <laughs> so yeah, this it's is an interesting. That one.
0: Primus were nominated for something. I, I think it's...
3: Um. Oh, okay. It just dawned on me. So the. The uh, t- reason they were nominated for a Grammy in 2013 would have been the remix and re-release of Sailing the Seas of Cheese, which had their 1991 album, uh, which was remixed, overseen by Les Claypool and remixed in stereo as well as in 5.1. So I believe the category was uh, best either Best Remix or Best Surround Sound Release, and I can't remember which. That's it,
0: Best Surround Sound Album. Yep.
3: Yes! That was okay. all just
0: fluff, wasn't it? You you knew the answer all along.
3: I'm sandbagging you big time, Chris.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Best around sound album. I mean, there's been a lot of debate on this end between me and Matt as to what that really means, because have you listened to this over the original release?
3: Uh, in fact, on Primus tracks, uh, Frankie and I took track by track, and uh, as we went through our episodes, we compared the original mix to the 2013 stereo mix and we named our preference and more often than not we went with the 1991 release interesting yeah yeah it's got its merits uh we don't have to discuss them now but uh <laughs> give me a call sometime
0: well very impressed uh I, I thought that i'd i'd knocked you off on question one for a minute but you were just uh, um, you were just playing with me
3: it was of <laughs> a verbal processor we'll put it at that <laughs> amazing
0: well question two this is this is the uh i'm giving this point to you What famous metal guitarist sat behind Les in ninth grade algebra?
3: Ah, yes. I can see why Matt would have upbraided you for this. That would be the (laughs) one and only Kirk Hamster Hammett.
0: That's the one. Yep.
3: That's right, of Metallica fame. And Les likes to tell this story uh, that he would, uh, Kirk, that is, would, you know, get Les's attention somehow and say, hey, man. Look at this. This is a G chord. I'm gonna make it famous, man, or something like that. I'm paraphrasing. And I thought it's a pretty famous chord already. But good on you, Kirk. Go for it. So uh, yeah, those guys were those guys uh, hung out a lot back in the old days,
0: and still do, right? Uh, they've been friends throughout throughout career. Oh, they? F-
3: oh, certainly. They're still they're still on friendly terms. Absolutely. And he gets. Uh, I don't know if it was Les or other guys that called him Hamster, but every once in a while you hear a reference to Hamster in primus and Les claypool lyrics and he's definitely talking about kirkhamon
0: interesting didn't know that all right well two out of two all right question three now this i think this is a good one so let's see who created the cover art for antipop
3: oh my gosh antipop we just did that album not long ago my understanding, if I remember my liner notes, is that the design of the and packaging were um, a combination of uh, Dave Hunter and Zoltron are the two names that come to mind. But I remember the band not being very thrilled about the cover of Antipop because it was an amalgam of many characters from their other album covers um, coming out of the head of somebody uh, who had some kind of mechanical apparatus on them. And they just kind of went, yeah, okay is essentially how they responded to that they were not uh too involved in the creative process there
0: the answer is craig howell
3: i do not know that name that's fascinating
0: he's a fantastic artist if you google him um i I mean a lot of his work looks very much like the cover for anti-pop he's got he's got a very distinctive style but um yeah there you go craig
3: howell ah you got me
0: oh it makes me feel good (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> <laughs> Makes me feel like a quasi fan right now
0: uh, Artwork-wise, they've got some amazing posters Yes Primus, Have you, are you a collector of posters?
3: I am, uh, particularly of the ones for the shows I attend uh, Because they'll they'll contract artists to do uh, prints for every individual live show And uh, I, once I broke the seal of buying a print for a show that I did not attend that opened the floodgates, and I possess dozens of Primus show prints at this time.
0: Interesting. Yeah, because we yeah. did notice online there's a bit of a market for it. Primus fans like to collect posters, but but they are making yeah. specific, uh, you know, particularly good posters, are they, like from specific artists?
3: Yes, they have quite a stable of artists who they can rely upon uh, for those show prints. And you're absolutely right. Primus fans love to buy Primus prints. There's quite a resale market for some of those. Um, if you do a cursory search on eBay, you'll find uh, dozens and hundreds of overpriced prints by resellers mm. uh, that border on the comical in a lot of way, in a lot of situations.
0: No, it's brilliant. You know, yeah. if, if there's super fans out there then, you know, and there's a market for it, then that's great if it makes people happy.
3: Yeah, well, I, have, I, have, uh, I would say that if I were ever to go broke, um, I know where the money is in my house and it's on the wall in the (laughs) first right oh wow
0: yeah (laughs) a fair few posters
3: yes it'll get me through
0: all right so anti-pop made by by craig howell craig howell so two out of three it's all right though it's all right because question four and five might be might be your wheelhouse you'll get it without thinking (laughs) the question four what track by experimental electronic band beats antique features les claypool on bass
3: Ah uh, yes, I believe that one's called "Bieselbub." It is, yeah. There you go. Yes, yeah. That one—that's an interesting one. Les does a lot of guest turns with artists you wouldn't suspect, and I—I I recall when that one was brought to my attention. It's—it's uh, it's quite a track. It's a mm. lot of fun. Do you have some favorite
0: go. some favorite tracks that he's featured on?
3: Uh, actually, that one comes to mind, and then uh, there's another one by uh, the uh, the duo Death Grips, I believe. Uh, yep guested on one of their uh, tracks and that of course is quite far afield And I like Weird so I was into it (laughs) I can tell you that one
0: And what about side projects by each of the guys do you follow all their side projects?
3: The one I always go back to is the project known as Sausage which would be the quote unquote original Primus lineup of Todd Huth, Les Claypool and Jay Lane that record that they got together to record in 1994 is one of my favorite records of all time, it is phenomenal, I love it to death
0: so, so when did that come out then that was
3: 1994 uh primus had a break and uh, les claypool called up todd Hooth, guitar player jay lane drummer and said hey let's get together and record some of those old tunes and they did and put an album out and uh embarked on a fairly short tour and i believe they toured with rollins band at that time and helmet among others and they uh after that, uh, they didn't do anything for a good 25 years, and then they actually have played a couple of live shows more recently. So Sausage is one I absolutely recommend. It's For some people, it's I remember it being described as watered-down Primus, but for me, I, I don't agree, I call it Primordial Primus, because it's, it's different guys in a different era, but they're doing the things that would become the Primus sound.
0: Yeah, and it's got more of a ring to it as well, Primordial Primus.
3: I, I am a big fan of alliteration. <laughs>
0: Good. good. <laughs> All right. Brilliant work. So we're on three out of four. Question five. If you can get question five in the bag, uh, we'll we'll consider giving you an honorary honorary super fan.
3: Well, you did ask me a question about their most maligned album, and I, I feel that the carpet was pulled out from under me. I'm kidding. It's
0: okay. So on anti-pop, <laughs> then are you? Because I've noticed online that the the vast majority of of Primus fans, when they're asked about their least favorite record, it's anti-pop. And I know for Primus, their least favorite record is Antipop. Yeah. Uh, is that the same for yourself?
3: It's close. There are. Uh, the, I'm not a huge fan of the Wonka record. I don't find much replay value in that. And uh, anybody that listens to Primus tracks uh, probably hasn't heard me say that yet. So pick yourself up off the floor because when we get to that record, it's uh, you'll, you'll be ready for that. Uh, I would say it's Antipop's okay. Going back and looking at it at the podcast and uh, doing a deeper dive on it. And seeing where I am now with it, uh, it mostly holds up, but there are things I still can't get behind. So I would put it near the bottom. Well, you also have to consider the competition. Some of these other records—I mean, obviously, me being biased as an all-time Primus uh, fan—are just all-time records. You know, it's it's very hard to surpass something like Frizzle Fry or Pork Soda.
0: All right. Question five. Let's round this off. In the lyrics to The Trek on Desaturating 7. Wow. What is Over That Hill?
3: (laughs) I was just singing this song to myself the other day. (laughs) And I'll tell you why. They just dropped a new track called uh, Conspiranoia and I was hearing a lot of uh, parallels between those two tracks with structure and uh, how how those two songs were put together. So I was just singing that little chorus to myself the other day. Don't lose heart, comrade. It's over that hill. It's over that hill. And then the next line is, uh "Paradise is just over that hill."
0: That's the one. That's what's over that hill. Yeah. Desaturating seven. Are you a fan?
3: I am. Or am I giving, I, your, I do am like I giving
0: it all away? You've got a couple of years before you get to this on the podcast. I don't want to ruin your <laughs> podcast.
3: Yeah, that's, t- that's true. We won't get to it for a while, but uh, generally, I do like that record. I'll like leave it. it at that. I like it as well. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I like it very much.
3: What I really appreciate, though, is something that he said. That record is only 34 minutes long.
0: Yeah, it's and barely he- legal <laughs> in my perspective.
3: <laughs> and I remember him saying, well, all my favorite albums from the 70s were about 35 minutes long. You know, nobody really recorded albums over 40 minutes very often uh, at that time. So he... He really leaned into it stylistically and uh, from a timestamp standpoint. He didn't mm-hmm. linger on too long.
0: Yeah. Well, look, what we always uh, end on is I want to ask you to give a couple of sentences to anyone who's listening who isn't a Promise fan or doesn't know much about them. Uh, what would you say to get people to, to listen?
3: I would say grab yourself a can of pork soda and you'll be feeling just fine. Uh, you can sail the seas of cheese with my favorite band and I'm going to throw in a bunch more. No, I'm going to stop throwing in those references. But, uh, what I w- actually would say is, uh, if you like left of center music, or if you are trying to dabble in weirdness, this is a great starting point because beyond them, it gets really weird. <laughs> so dip your toes in, try a Primus record and see if weird is for you. Uh, cause this is one of those bands that wears it on their sleeve uh, they don't try to change their sound for really anyone or anything. They're doing it for themselves. And if it speaks to you, you get to be in on the ride.
0: Awesome. Couldn't couldn't have said it better myself. Thank you, Josh from Oregon. That was amazing. Yeah, we don't know how well you <laughs> did,
1: but we know you did amazing.
0: Yeah, he's definitely done amazing. He's
1: definitely yeah, done amazing. absolutely. He's done better than me, for sure.
0: Uh, we didn't. We didn't talk about uh, videos, and they have mm. a lot of wild videos. Wild videos, mm. so weird. Uh, I've seen the one where
1: they're all dressed up as. Cowboys. They kind of look like they're made of plastic.
0: Yeah, they're dressed up as cowboys,
1: yeah. and they kind of look like they're made of plastic. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's we Big Brown Beaver. Okay.
0: I've yes. and I think I,
1: I think they got um, nominated. Uh, I think that video got nominated actually for a Grammy.
0: Well, in fairness, that is. That's a quite an impressive video.
1: Yeah, uh, I read somewhere that they they performed to the songs really slowed down and then sped it up mm, because they could sense. hardly move in these suits. Yeah, and uh,
0: you can. Yeah, and that, and that also makes sense based on the way that they're moving. You can kind of see that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's proper proper strange and zany, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it's really strange.
1: Have you seen Tommy the Cat?
0: What's the video yeah, for Tommy the Cat?
1: so it's basically so we're seeing these cartoon cats they're a bit like a tom and jerry fakes the cat kind of bouncy cartoon no, style I going seen
0: on it. no i haven't seen that
1: and it's yeah and and you occasionally see tom waits uh, in the flesh but he's got prosthetics on his face to make it look like a cat yeah kind of a cat and he's, he's at a bar and he's drinking milk claypool is this weird bartender <laughs> like serving milk and there's milk just splashing everywhere like Milk coming out of the ceiling and on the sides. And it's, if you don't like milk, then it's not a good video to watch.
0: <laughs> if you've got a fear of milk.
1: Yeah, milk phobia. Other videos I like The Devil Went Down to Georgia is really beautiful. It's directed by Mike Johnson, who does a lot of work with Tim Burton. Like he directed uh, The Corpse Bride.
2: Oh, right. You might know
1: that one. It's a really beautiful stop motion. This boy's walking through the forest, and the devil's coming out to him, and they're playing, they're playing a lot of music, and there's there's so much going on, and you you have to see it. It's it's absolutely beautiful. I mean, you know, it, this needs to be better known. This video. Um, my name is Mud. Do you know my name is Mud? The video for that. What's the video? <laughs> Claypool is uh, pretending to be a, a, a like, like a bumpkin hillbilly uh, from from the film Deliverance. I think his his full name is Aloysius, oh God, Aloysius Devadanda Abercrombie. And he is trying to bury the friends that he's just killed with a baseball bat. (laughs) And occasionally the video cuts to a health spa for the very fat people um, who are drinking pork soda. (laughs) This video was in uh, Beavis and Butthead and they watched it and they agreed that there should be more fat people in music videos because, as they said, fat people are cool. Yeah, so their videos are just just ridiculous. Yeah, yeah if there's you, so you many of them something. as well.
0: There's so many, it's kind of hard to... Um... Yeah. The only other artist that we've done that had so many was Björk. She has so many music videos and so many of them oh. are, are, are mental that when you start ridiculous. talking about them, it's like you can't... I can't remember. I, I struggle with Primus to remember what video relates to what song. Like...
1: Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Because the videos don't always match up to what the song's about. Yeah,
0: exactly, yeah.
1: You know, they're, they're all about surreal, bizarre things, you know. When I saw them at uh where was it? I think it was I think it was the, the concert at the Royal Albert Hall. There uh, there was a video screen behind them and it was playing absolutely bonkers things. Like I think they were children on little tricycles but they had chimpanzee masks on. Just oh s- just cycling around. Stuff and, I, and I and I went to I went to see it with um with someone from my family and he had severe nightmares after that concert. Because no, of these monkeys. Chimpanzees. <laughs> Oh dear yeah, so it's been really fun listening to these guys again, just just binging on awesome awesome music.
0: yeah yeah I, and I, I've really enjoyed it. If you want to recommend an artist to us, like I said at the beginning, you can contact us on any other socials, not any of them, just Facebook and Twitter. Those are the two socials. Search for superfancast on Facebook or Twitter and you'll find us or you can reach us at superfannews.net fill out the contact form there. Or you can email us at superfancast at outlook.com. There's loads of different ways to contact us to recommend a band, let us know you're a super fan, or just say hi. Feel free to leave us a review on your podcast player of choice so that others know what we're about and, and get to discover us. And thank you for listening. We're going to be back in a couple of weeks' time to do another deep, deep dive on... Green Day. <laughs> Yeah, we're going to do a deep dive on Green Day, a a listener pick, recommended to us by a listener, and we look forward to seeing you. So everybody stay safe, keep rocking, and we'll see you next time.
2: Bye. Bye Bye-bye.